You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. All right, if you'll turn your attention back to Genesis chapter 2, um, I'm a little out of pocket today. My computer died yesterday, and um, I'm hoping that I didn't lose a lot of data on my computer. Um, it's in the shop being fixed. So to get ready for today, I had to kind of go back and, and kind of think through without the the benefit of notes to get ready for some application type things today. But I wanted to start before before I give you some things to think about and some points of application to see if there were any questions that you guys had that maybe you wanted to ask this morning. Since our last application Sunday, we spent several weeks talking about a, a theology or a biblical understanding of work and how our jobs are a, a means for us worshiping God throughout the week. We talked about a theology of gender and just understanding the the biblical roles of male and female and why God has created us differently. Uh, We talked about marriage. We talked about parenting. We talked about singleness and our understanding of those concepts. And and they flow from Genesis 2. And then we get more wisdom and insight as we look throughout Scripture about those topics. But any questions that maybe you were left with on on some of those topics that we discussed from Genesis chapter 2 that that I can help answer this morning. Anything at all? Anything tied to our work or gender, parenting, marriage, singleness? Yep. Any other thoughts, comments, questions about some of the things that we've discussed over the past month and a half? All right, if you think of something, you can stop me in the midst of this. As we kind of come to the end of 2014 and get ready for 2015, whenever we have an application Sunday that kind of falls at the end of the year, I think it's important, you know, it's just a a natural way for us to kind of tie in application from what we've been learning, but specifically what it looks like in the coming year. So not just the the coming weeks, but the coming year. And, you know, we talked in in the midst of Genesis 1 that that God gives us seasons and he allows the calendar to function in a certain way for purposes for us. And I believe while a lot of times New Year's resolutions and and that type of thing can get cheesy and, and feel forced, it is a natural time for us to step back and evaluate what did this past year look like and what do I desire for the next year to look like, right? We break our, our, our lifetime down into years. We think about 2013. We think about 2014 as a, as a component, as a beginning and an end type of time frame. Um, you know, and I challenged you last year. I said, are you, are you, um, are you a stronger Christian today than you were a year from now? You know, and we, and we dialogued about that last year. Do we have tangible reasons to believe that we are different than we were a year ago? And I would present that same challenge to you today. Do you, do you believe that you're different? Are you stronger in your faith? Do you, do you trust Christ more? Do you love Christ more today than you did a year ago? 
And will that be the case a year from now? And so some of the things that I want to share with you this morning are meant to get you thinking in terms of preparation for a new calendar year. God gives us those things. He's ordained the cosmos to function in a certain way that, that allows that reliability to know that seasons are coming, years are coming, and it allows us to group those things together, I believe, for our benefit, specifically for our spiritual benefit, to think back and, and to celebrate seasons in our life, but to also anticipate future seasons in our life. And, and I want you thinking ahead to 2015. As a church what we want to do, and as an individual, what you want to do and what you desire to be and what you desire for the Holy Spirit to do in you and through you this coming year. Because my hope is that at the end of 2015, you're able to rejoice uh, over the growth that you can look back and see, uh, intentional growth, because you set intentional goals and intentional plans to be a different person a year from now. So kind of tying in with what we've been discussing in Genesis. I want to give you five kind of goals and things to be thinking through for this coming year. Number one, I don't have handouts because I didn't have my computer. So if you want to write these down, you can. I'm going to post these on the city. What areas do I need to grow in? As a husband slash father, or as a wife slash mother, and then for those of you that are single, how will I better maximize my single year? Okay, so as we approach 2015, thinking through what we've learned in Genesis 2 for our, for our men in our church that are married and for those especially that are married with children, what, what are some areas specifically that you can identify? And this isn't something that you probably just answer real quick this morning. This is meant to, to give you some things to think through this week as we anticipate the new year starting. What are some areas specifically that you can identify that you need to grow in as a husband and a father based on what we talked about in Genesis 2 about biblical manhood and the responsibility to lead and initiate specifically in the home that you're the leader, you're the initiator when it comes to the spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual environment within your home. As the, as the women of our church, what are areas that you can grow in as a wife and as a mother that, that complement to your husband? What are some areas that you can identify and say, these are things that I would like to grow in when it comes to this coming year? And then last week we highlighted the fact that, that singleness is a gift, that, that, that Paul identifies it as a gift, one that he believes and hopes that more people should hang on to, that people should not be as willing to give it up as, as our culture seems to, to want it to be. That the singleness is a gift, and as long as you possess that gift, you have a responsibility to maximize it. Because Paul highlights all the benefits of singleness. He highlights the benefits that you're able to give yourself to others, you're able to give yourself to the kingdom in ways that you can't when you're tied to a family. Because the effort and the energy that you would give solely to Christ and his kingdom and, and gospel efforts, some of that gets taken away in the care and the, and the love that's given to the family component. And I challenged our singles last week. I said, if you're single and you're desiring marriage, 
you have a responsibility to be pushing yourself and doing things right now as singles to where when you get married, there are things that you will have to stop doing because you now have responsibilities in the home. That that's the picture that Paul gives, that as a single person, you're not deficient. The church should not view you as someone who doesn't deserve or, or, or get responsibilities because you don't understand, because you don't have a husband or a wife. You're just single. You're too young for this. That instead, the picture Paul gives is that singles are supposed to be so actively working for Christ's kingdom that they will have to give up things to get married. Because the benefit of singleness is that you can give yourself to so much more. So for our singles, not thinking long term, but just for this coming year, how are you going to maximize your singleness better this coming year? So that if your gift of singleness ends this year, there are things that you're giving up for the sake of responsibilities now at home. Okay? So, so all of us have a role to think through here. If we're single, how am I going to use this year and my singleness for the glory of God? And then for those of us that are married, men and women, whether you have kids or don't, how am I going to grow in those roles? Specifically, what areas do I need to grow in? Stop me if you have questions. Number two, what are my personal plans to grow this year? What are my personal plans to grow this year? And there's a, there's a lot of different components to this. Um, my plans to, to be in the Word, to be in God's Word, to be in the Bible. What does that look like for you? This is a popular uh, question that, that, that comes up at this time. A lot of people start to, to look at Bible reading plans for the coming year. There's a ton of them out there. I'm going to post some this week on the city for you to consider different ways to work through scripture over the course of this year. Um, you, you may just simply want to commit to studying one book of the Bible this year. You know, you, maybe you've tried reading plans in the past and you get bogged down. You don't feel like you learn a whole lot. You're reading too much at one time and you feel like you're not comprehending a whole lot. You just want to devote to studying one book of the Bible this year. Um, there's, there's all kinds of different ways to be in the word and we've never pushed or mandated a specific way for you here at Sovereign Hope, right? We've never told you that you needed to be doing it a certain way for a certain amount of time. But we have encouraged and, 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 and exhorted you to be in the Word, to figure out what it looks like for you personally to commit time to God's Word weekly and to be faithful to do that. And so my encouragement again for you this year is to, to reevaluate your personal plans for growth, specifically about being in the Word. And then there's other ways to grow. Um, you know, we talked about uh, several years back that, that in order to grow, it necessitates getting things into your mind. You know, getting, getting uh, knowledge that you can then take that knowledge and live it out in, in, in wisdom. And so um, there's other books that can be read That'll enhance your growth this year. Podcasts to listen to. Uh, people specifically that you want to target to spend time with. You know, we talked last week about uh, younger women learning how to be uh, mothers and, and wives by spending time with older women in the church. Who are 
some people that maybe you want to spend time with this year that you know just by being around these individuals, I will grow as a man or I will grow as a woman of God simply by following after these individuals. So evaluating your personal plans and, and, and uh, efforts to grow this year, specifically about being in the Word, um, and then other ways to learn through books and podcasts, and then also learning by watching other people do. Um, and so evaluating maybe some people that you specifically want to target to spend some intentional time with this year. We're not going to to grow without intentional effort, right? Like you don't just happen to get to the end of 2015 and say, wow, I'm a much stronger Christian. I've deepened my, my trust and, and, I, and I've grown in my faith by accident, right? Like, like those are all intentional steps that have to be taken. Um, and so <clears throat> starting at the beginning of the year, to be intentional in those efforts. Um, number three. What are my specific plans to multiply myself this year? All right, so we saw in Genesis both one and two, the mandate that God gives to his creation to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, this isn't specifically you sitting down with your spouse to determine how many kids you're going to have this year, um, but that may be part of it. Um, but specifically, parents and how they're going to invest in their kids. You know, and I was thinking about this specifically when you first start off having kids, you know, okay, there's going to come a point when the gospel really needs to become front and, and center for what we're doing in the raising of our kids. But when you've got a newborn, it's really hard to figure out, well, how, to, how, to, how does the gospel fit in? My, my child doesn't understand, right? But if you're not careful, you get to the point where your kid does understand, but you've defaulted to where you're just waiting until they get older to really start being intentional in how you raise them and how you're intentionally sitting down with them with God's word, teaching them about Jesus, teaching them about the gospel. And if you're not careful, you, you end up missing some years because you keep thinking, oh, maybe next year they'll understand more and we'll, we'll get more intentional. But to really kind of step back and pause and think through, okay, those of us that have kids, where are our kids at and their ability to understand? And what are my plans this year to be very intentional in how I instruct them, how I multiply myself in them? You know, AJ's at a point now where he can, he's starting to understand and comprehend more. And so we started to experiment and do a little bit of stuff here at, at Advent season with him. Um, I purchased some small books um, from, from a church in Kentucky, I believe. Uh, children's books. One of them's titled, What is the Gospel? What is the Church? Um, and those are books that I want to start reading through with him this year when we're putting him to bed. As we're, as we're praying with him, we've been faithful to pray with him. We've been faithful to sing songs with him, things that, that we're able to turn his attention to Christ, but becoming more intentional this year than we ever have been in teaching him about Jesus. Because he's at a point where we anticipate he may start school uh, in, the, in this next school year. And so if that's the case, We've definitely got to be intentional about what we're teaching him from a spiritual standpoint. And so my challenge to you as parents to evaluate what's my plan for this year with my child. What, what level of understanding are my kids at? And what can I be intentional about multiplying into them this year? 
Um, that doesn't happen by accident. You don't just accidentally start sitting down with your kids and having intentional conversations and teaching times with them. That's something you have to plan out ahead or it doesn't happen, right? You, you get to the end of the day, you're tired, you're sleepy. We'll do it tomorrow. Um, you know, we, we just keep putting it off kind of thing, right? We do that with baths at our house. Um, you know, just, we'll bathe them tomorrow. You know, I'm too tired. We can't do that with teaching them about Jesus, right? We can put the bath off till tomorrow maybe, but, but we've got to be faithful to teach them about Jesus. Um, so, so for our parents, really thinking through a plan this year for your kids based on where they're at from their understanding. That's the, that's the creation mandate, to be fruitful and multiply. But it wasn't just about having kids. It was about producing worshipers of God, people that were able to carry the image of God to the ends of the earth. So there's more to parenting than just having kids. It's raising kids that fear God, that trust in Christ. And so we want to be faithful to do that. But then obviously those of us that, that don't have kids, that's a question mark for you to, to, to answer, right? Because we said that the, the biblical mandate to multiply is not restricted just to parents. That Jesus revolutionizes that in the New Testament when he tells his disciples to go and make more disciples. So it's not just for parents to be fruitful and multiply, that all of us have the responsibility to multiply, to make disciples. And so for those that are single, you have a gift right now. You have time right now to invest your life into somebody else, time that won't be there when your single years end. As much as I want to be available to others in my life right now to disciple others, I am I'm held back in some sense because of my obligations to my family. Now, I have obligations to disciple my family, so I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling those responsibilities at home, but I'm limited in availability to pour myself into others because of ties to home. And Paul says that when you give up your single years, you give up some availability for Christ's kingdom. But for those that are still single maximizing your single year, this year, to pour yourself into somebody. Because if you're not going to have to give something up when you get married, I told you last week, you're not using your single years for God's glory. If there aren't things that you're going to have to start saying no to that you're doing right now as a single, then you're not living them for God's glory. Remember we said we're not talking about having to give up video games and hobbies and that type of thing. We're talking about spiritual things that would have to be given up because of ties now to the home. Okay, so specific plans to multiply this year. Number three, two more for you. What are my plans? To encourage the single culture here. Right? We talked about last week that every one of us has a role to play in the lives of our singles here at Sovereign Hope. That, that those of us that are married, that, that the encouragement Paul gives is that you don't have to be married to enjoy the fellowship that was necessitated in Genesis. Right? So, so God says it's not good for man to be alone but that was not a command that everybody had to be married or they were alone. That the, 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 the idea there was is that it wasn't okay for one human being to exist 
isolated from other human beings. And so God creates mankind with the capacity to fellowship and gives him another individual to fellowship with. But Paul says some of you aren't going to get married. And that doesn't mean that you're called to a a lifetime of loneliness, that that those things are fulfilled within the church. But it also necessitates that, that we as a church are providing that type of fellowship for the people that are single in our church. And so us playing that role in our church, um, praying for our singles, uh, fellowshipping intentionally with those that are single in, in, in our church, for, for the single men in our church that desire to be married, it involves fighting sin and figuring out what you desire to do with your life. Like we talked about that last week, that those that desire singleness, that desire marriage, that are male in our church, that it means you sever ties with sin so that you're, you're, you're the type of individual that can, that can lead a family and that you figure out your, your plans for your life and how you're going to support a family. For our women fighting the idolatry of what marriage looks like, it's very easy to set up a man or set up the concept of marriage as a God, something that is longed for and worshipped more than Christ. And, and fighting against that tendency because... If that becomes the case, you come into that marriage with already damaging expectations. Um, so fighting that, that, that tendency to, to make that uh, an idol or a god. Um, and then I, I challenged our girls last week to be very active in service. That, that the single girls in our church uh, desire to marry godly men who are active for kingdom purposes. And the best way to, to, uh, to identify and to meet people like that is to be active in service. And then number five, um, how do I plan to improve my effort at work? And kind of tied to that, how do I plan to improve my work environment? All right, so we talked about the concept of work and how God gives us work as a means of worshiping him, that they're rooted in the same word, worship and work. And um, how are we going to, to make effort to improve our work this year? For those of us that have jobs that, that cause us to leave the home, how are we going to, to do a better job of working this year where we're glorifying God better in our workplace? How are we going to improve upon our work environment? All right, we talked about just being a, a, uh, a type of individual who makes that place a better place. I told you that, that your boss ought to say that, that things have been better in your company since you were hired. And if not, that you're probably not working in a worshipful way. That, that your workplace should be better because you're there. Because of the effort that you put forth. Because of what you bring to that place every single day. I'm um, trying to evaluate how we can do that better this year. Um, those were things that kind of stood out to me as a, as a points of application for us based on what we've learned in Genesis 2. Um, I hope you'll take those things um, and, and spend time wrestling with them and, and trying to think through intentional plans so that at the end of 2015, you can look back and see progress. You can see uh, movement in your sanctification and um, that you've been moved more towards holiness because of intentional effort on your part to work out your salvation 
But knowing that Paul says in Philippians that it's God who works in you and wills in you to perform that. And so not doing it on your own, obviously, but recognizing you have a role to play in your sanctification. All right, any questions about any of that and how that looks for application? The gospel should be offensive. You shouldn't be. Yeah, so the, the, the gospel message should be what they don't enjoy about you, but the, the concept of working with you should not be. It should be refreshing to work with you because the way it's presented, you're not offending. The message is offensive, but you're not the offensive part of it. And there's a hard balance there, but it is all about presentation and it's all about what happens outside of when you're talking about the gospel as well. That you should be a joy to work with because of the effort that you put into it, because of the service that you provide, that you're not just there to to accomplish the bare minimum, that you go above and beyond. And so you're a joy to see on the schedule because that person says, I'm not going to have to do as much because that person picks up the load kind of thing. And I'm thinking in concept in terms of what you do, that there's the ability for you to be a joy to have on the schedule because you lighten the load of everybody else and it offsets the offensive message that you bring. Does that make sense? You're laughing like, you're an idiot. (laughs) You're like, you're not getting your $200. (laughs) Any other questions or thoughts on on those things? All right, before we partake of the Lord's Supper together, I want to give you um, five quick things to be praying for um, in regards to this coming year that are tied to our goals as a church uh, number one, we need some real wisdom in the direction of our kids' ministry. Um, as we continue to grow and as more people come, um, we're really pushing the limits in regards to our space uh, here within our building. And so we're trying to get really creative in thinking through what to do long-term for our kids because we don't want our kids to ever be perceived as an afterthought, as though anything we do with them is just what we do on the side, that the main thrust of what we do here is based on the adults, that that we believe our kids are very important to the long-term existence of this church. And so um, we need some real wisdom in uh, space management um, in regards to our kids' ministry. And we're going to have a group of people that will be meeting here at the beginning of the year to really talk through some options and, and to put some plans into place that will allow our kids to grow and thrive and learn Um, in addition to being squeezed into the small space that we have here. So if you can just really be in prayer for um, the kids' direction uh, here at our church. Secondly, um, these are things that I'm really praying for, and I'm asking you to join me 
in, in prayer um, that God would raise up a pastoral candidate uh, for our church. Um, if we're going to plant a church overseas or if we're going to plant a church in the area, um, then we really need somebody to be raised up by God who, who wants to embrace that responsibility of being a lead pastor. Um, and so I'm really praying that God would identify that person uh, sooner rather than later so that I can really begin to pour into them individually um, and really begin to make plans to have them pastor uh, a group of us, whether it's local or overseas. Um, and and I, I view this as a big responsibility on my part. Like, this is me investing in this person, right? And so so I'm really getting anxious that God would raise up somebody else that, that feels called and led to to lead from a pastoral standpoint. Um, and so just praying that God would raise that individual up uh, within our church. Again, that's tied to our goals. Number three, that God would raise up an individual to be a deacon of membership for our church. Uh, so we've got Ben, that's the deacon of finances. We've got uh, Melissa, who's our deacon of hospitality, uh, handles a lot of the ins and outs of making sure that the people in our church are cared for. Um, we've got uh, Chris, who's the deacon of our benevolence. So anytime there's a, a benevolent type concern that's raised within our church, he helps orchestrate and, and organize the efforts to, to meet those needs. Um, but one area that we really want to shore up is, is someone who can help oversee new families that come to visit our church, um, making sure that they feel connected to our church very quickly and can help uh, help the process of membership uh, happen in, in a timely manner within our church. Tyson and Adam and I are both so consumed with things to do on a Sunday morning that it's very hard for us to manage uh, just the interaction with visitors, making sure that we're talking with visitors, making sure that we're getting them connected to our church. And so just praying that God would raise up an individual to help us in overseeing that. Again, deacons help lighten the load for elders so that we can give our attention to teaching. Adam teaches a kid's class. I teach on Sunday mornings. Tyson teaches through song. And so um, this is an area that we would love uh, assistance in. And then number four... We love God bringing us families that are already grounded in the gospel. But specifically, we want to be a church that grows because our people are sharing the gospel and people are responding to the gospel. And I know I'm setting us really low here um, because it should be a lot more than this, but praying for at least one new convert this year at Sovereign Hope, that through our gospel efforts that God brings someone new to our church family that uh, has never responded to the gospel and, and can be discipled here at our church uh, because this is our long-term goal of going overseas and doing this. And so if we can't do it here, we can't do it overseas. Um, and so being intentional um, and then seeing the fruit of that labor. Um, so those are, those are four things that I would like to, to be praying for and asking you to pray for as well. They're all tied to um, our goals as a church. And uh, so hopefully that gives you some direction um, in, in praying for those things uh, this year. All right, as we close today, we want to partake of the Lord's Supper as we always do on Application Sundays. I want to draw our attention to 1 Corinthians 11 just briefly this morning. Tyson's going to come and play um, and give you an opportunity to respond. But in 1 Corinthians 11, 
Paul talking about the Lord's Supper says, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place when you come together as a church I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And so Paul highlights the fact that what we do this morning is meant to be a symbol and a sign of our unity together as a body of believers. That while we come from different backgrounds, we come from different occupations, we come from, from different uh, economic statuses. Um, we come together on a Sunday morning, we come together as this church family, united over the fact that we possess the Holy Spirit, and that according to Ephesians, we possess every spiritual blessing, that none of us that are Christians this morning are deficient in any way spiritually from what has been made available to us. And Paul says the Lord's Supper highlights the unity that we experience as part of the body of Christ. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we partake of the bread this morning, it is a sign, it is a picture of Christ fulfilling the covenant of works for us. That Adam and Eve were set up in the Garden of Eden to be perfect, to to obey Christ, to obey their father. And when they disobeyed, they fell into sin and they were kicked out of the garden. The implication, though, was had they been obedient, they would have partaken of the tree of life and they would have dwelt with God eternally. And Christ comes to do what the first Adam could not do. And we'll continue to see this as we move through the book of Genesis. But Christ comes to be perfect for us and he offers his body on the cross as a perfect sacrifice, as one who completely obeyed God's law. And so when we partake of the bread this morning, it's a picture of Christ's perfection, the perfection that we need for salvation, the perfection that's been made available to us by Christ's sacrifice. Verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God pointed to this when he took the life of the animal in Genesis 3 and clothed Adam and Eve in, in temporary clothing. And it looked forward to the day when, when God would send the one who would crush the serpent's head, who would ultimately die in our place and shed his blood for us so that we could be forgiven of those sins. And so while Adam and Eve's sins were atoned for temporarily, the Bible says that God in his forbearance looked over their sins he delayed full punishment for their sins. They could have been killed right there in the garden. In his forbearance, he looked over it, knowing that in the future he would pour out his divine wrath on his son. And so delayed punishment is seen in the New Testament when Christ absorbs God's wrath on our behalf. And so those of us that are believers today, we celebrate and look back to the fact that while we deserve death because of our sin, that death has been satisfied through the death of Jesus Christ. And we partake of this supper today, this bread and this cup, proclaiming Christ's sacrifice, looking forward to the day that Jesus returns.
Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.